Okay, you ready? 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 Yeah. Stop on the open road. Now was not the time to flop. The buzz is formulating, Jimmy. Now's the time to drop. Is everything around you? The finest flow will amaze. You can't honor what I'm on, and bitch, nigga, get gone. Air gas because it's just all, all just too good. What is good, everybody? You are listening to the Where's My Forty Acres podcast, and this is Eargasm Reviews. Uh, we're back. We're going to talk about this artist that you might have seen with Chance, you may have heard with Smino, you might have seen live on Jimmy Fallon with No Name for her Room Twenty Five album, and that nigga's name is Twan Sabo. Okay. <laughs> There you go. I gave you your end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Saba is another Chicago native. He pretty much is just a phenomenal fucking rapper. Um, he he linked up. I'm I'm not sure if he met up with No Name and them the same way that Chance met them. There seems to be like a Chicago art school or whatever that a lot of these artists attended where they all know each other. But he's pretty much been featured on a bunch of tracks with other artists. He's currently touring right now with J.I.D., which I suggest you cop tickets to that because that is just going to be a fucking lyrical phenom of an event. Make sure you buy tickets to the show that Saba is going to because there are some J.I.D. shows that his ass will not be at. For instance, they are coming to Maryland twice. He will be at Silver Spring, but he will not be in Baltimore. So I almost brought the wrong fucking tickets. (laughs) That, I would have been yeah. thoroughly You'd upset. Been mad. Nigga. Been. Listen, I don't have no issues with the opener. I think um, Mariba is the other opener. Uh, Mary Mariba yeah. is the other opener traveling. So you either get Saba or you get Mariba. And if you're in Atlanta, you get both. My thing was, mm-hmm. I like Mariba, but I would have been thoroughly fucking pissed if I would have had to sit through Mariba when I was expecting Saba. <laughs> so it would not have been a good event. But um, anyway... He put out this album. This is his sophomore. It is called Care For Me. It is his second. Well, I already said this is sophomore. It's under his label, uh, Saba Pivot. He released it last year in April, which was, he released it earlier in the year, but I didn't hear that shit until like October. I didn't, I, I didn't even know about it until, um, Randomly, you know how Spotify does when you play an album and then they play things as like, like after the album's over and calligraphy came on, mm. and I was like, oh, what's this? And then I was like, oh, oh, he has a whole album. Oh, oh, it was a long time ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. She, she said, oh, oh, it's a long time ago. Oh, it is like it's the same <laughs> year, but in album release time, that is like seven years. <laughs> You know, the fact that you missed an album that came out in April and you just now listening to it in October and November. But it was, you know, it did it for me. Um, Well, one, No Name. I mean, I had listened to, so after I heard No Name's first project, Telephone, I went and I listened to Smino's album, but I didn't really listen to, I didn't listen to Saab. I listened to Smino's first project. And then Smino released his album last year and I was like, this album is fucking amazing. I love this shit. And him and Saba on Aces together and Saba's verse on Aces is still one of my favorite on Room 25. So I'm like, man, I really need to give Saba a listen. I need to go listen to this Care For Me project. And that shit came on and I was driving to work listening to it. When this nigga got to life, 
I was done. I was like, yo, life is fucking ridiculously good. This nigga's mm-hmm. flowing his ass off. And then he did calligraphy. And I was like, okay, I really like calligraphy. But when he got to Grey, I think Grey might still be my favorite song on this project. And I, I was just like... Song for sure. It Easy. mine changes. I think mine right now is Prom King. It's captivating, man. The whole album it is, is captivating. Oh, yes. One big ass story, kind of. Some yeah. it, it it well it's it, the themes of it are him dealing with depression and anxiety over the loss of Walter. That, it, that's pretty yeah. much the theme yeah. of the whole project. It's grief. Yeah. It's all whole grief. Album. Yeah. All grief. I agree. I, totally. I, I, I didn't hear about it until shoot. Right before we did the um, end of the year junk, mm-hmm. same because I was I usually like the end of the end of the year I always go through and see a hey, I go to a bunch of places websites and like let me see year end list and he kept consistently coming up on multiple year end lists like in top three and you know when when I saw that I was like oh let me check to see who this dude is and then I initially thought it was you know one of these little young I didn't know who I thought it was one of these young crazy ass rappers that I wasn't gonna like. So then when I listened to a song, I'm like, oh, this nigga can actually spit. And then I was like, oh, that's a nigga that's from uh, Chicago. Like it then it clicked because I remember like seeing his name when I heard him rap. So even then I I had it saved on my Spotify, but I hadn't really listened to it. And I was driving somewhere, I had the junk on shuffle, and Prom King came on. And I really started listening, and I was like, yo, this shit is fucking crazy. And then when I read another article, they were talking about him dealing with the death of this junk. And I was like, oh, that's the dude he was talking he was talking about. And then at that point, I was like, I got to sit here and really listen to this shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's some real, it's some real, it, it's a raw ass album of somebody putting themselves out there dealing with grief. And survivor's oh, yeah. remorse. Like he, man, he's so, he's vulnerable when he talks about his insecurities and his confidence with women. Um, he's, he, he talked about when making the album that this was, he never heard other rappers talk about or deal with depression this way. And uh, doing this album was really something that it sounds like he did to pull himself out of what comes off a lot of the times on this album as like, suicidal thoughts. And, I mean, it's it's just a lot. There's there's not a whole lot of albums that like hit me, hit me. Like they'll hit me, and I'm like, I feel this shit. I'm really into this shit. This album makes me sad. Like I love the it production. Does. I love the way he raps. I love his energy. If you watch his Tiny Desk, like he is, he just looks like a cool ass person to hang around and talk and shoot the shit with. When you see all of that, and you bring that back to listen to this project, and you hear this man basically like crying out for help that he knows he can't get because this is just the way you have to deal. You have to just go through grief to find the light at the end. It's just heartbreaking. It, it, this is one of the most heartbreaking albums that I've ever, I've had to listen to. Cause usually you get a song about a friend who died or somebody committed suicide. Like even Tierra Wack, who we're reviewing after this has a song or a couple of songs that mention a death that she's dealing with. This whole album, every song is about this man's death, like his cousin. In some way, even when he's talking about girls, the reason he's talking about girls and his issues with that is because Walter helped him become more comfortable with women. Like, Like later on, especially when their career took off. 
And he lost all of that. Like that connection that he developed later in life with his cousin, who you didn't, and I've had this situation, cousins you didn't think you was cool with. And then you meet back up with them later on and you find out they cool as hell and y'all get along real well. And he mm-hmm. had that. And then his cousin dies over shit that, you know, rappers from Chicago talk about all the time trying to escape. Yeah. And like, I think him and Tierra Wack just, this should be another one of these are like, like they're young, like they're babies. I sound like an old woman when I say this, but he's like 24. Tierra Wack's like 23. And to, for both of them to have projects like these very vivid, very, you know, raw, very um, like surreal in a sense. I know with him, you know, like, especially it's, it's always, it's always difficult when you're close to somebody and not, Death is hard already, but for it to be, like, somebody to be murdered is, like, a whole different wavelength that, you know, I I don't wish on anybody because I had to go through it, and I still go through it. So, you know, for him to even pull himself out of that, to put all his feelings, everything, you know, on this album, that is amazing in itself, you know, and hopefully that helped him, you know, heal with the process. Like, you just, you know, you're never going to forget. But, you know, hopefully it'll help him move on, you know, to become, you know, better and open up a little bit more to other people about how he's feeling. But this is just, like, the more I listen to it, the more it's just, it just gets better and better. And it's it's definitely something different from a lot of you know, people that are that same age, because, you know, this is mostly with his age group, the mumble rap, the the flossing, being like, you know, I got all these bitches, I drink all this stuff, I got the hottest cars, you know, so to to have somebody like this just be this, not different, but I guess be this vulnerable and be this open and truthful, it's it's good to hear. I hope, you know, we hear, I'm sure we'll hear more from him. Oh yeah. Like, you know, like I say, he's torn right now, so he ain't going nowhere. He's actually him being on his own label and being the opener on a tour for JID, who is basically another young up. one. That... <laughs> right. He's blowing you up. Know? Ridiculous. Like for that to be the case, that's, I, I, I find it amazing that artists still feel the need to sign to labels. Like I get it. It makes it easier for you to catapult. Right. But these guys are the same age as you and they have their own labels and they've turned down these contracts and they're putting on their own tours or they're hopping on other people's tours and they're making their money and they've been around the world. You know, get it how you get it. It it is what it is. But I'm glad to see somebody who cares about their craft and is not afraid to emote for 41 minutes. Is, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that they exist in hip hop still. And have, mm-hmm. you know, garnered a following from it. They, you mm-hmm. don't see, I don't hear rappers like going at him. I don't hear him going at rappers like that. You know, he's got his own stuff to deal with. And you know about him as a person. That's something else that I miss from a lot of these fucking niggas and rap dog. Like, they don't be telling you who they are, J. Cole. They just be talking about shit. Like, oh, these are my emotions. And this is what I feel like I should say or I should feel. Saba opens up a lot of songs where I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that pace continues. Um, Mike, what did you think? He's on mute. 
Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I agree with all the stuff you guys have been saying. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed the album. Uh, from I always listen to production first. Like I just can't not do that. Um, and the production is excellent. It's varied. He's got like some like more commercially sounding beats on here. He's got some like sampled stuff. Like there's a lot of like beat flips that happen throughout the album. And I really enjoyed listening to that. And then like, I'll listen to the beat and then hear it and then register that and then go back to the lyrics. And then like from the song one, we was like, um, Walt got stabbed over a coat and I was like, who's Walt? Why do I not get that reference? And then as I kept listening, the story unfolded and I was just like, damn, um, yeah, like it is like Brandon said, it's very sad, but in a good way. Um, and I knew that Saba was a good rapper, but I didn't realize he was like that technically sound of a rapper. Um, Cause he, I mean, he's spitting his ass off this whole way through. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed that too. Um, I didn't even listen to it and all the way until yesterday. Um, so I'm still getting fully accustomed to it. Um, but it's going to be on rotation for a long, 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 long time. Thought it was really well paced as well. 49 minutes is a perfect amount of time for an album. Um, 10 songs. Yeah, it's it's dope. It's extremely dope. You want to see some amazing shit? Watch his, I cannot say this enough, watch his tiny desk and see how effortlessly he drops these verses that are technically flawless. Like, the the that. the amount of I mean, you you got to be a true fucking vocal lyricist to attack his verses the way that he does. His fluctuation in pitch and voice, the way he speeds and slows up tempo, tempos, the way he changes, like, the fucking beat structure and changes the meter of a song, like, mid-flow, and then jumps right back into it. He does that shit flawlessly live. He just be talking. Like, I ain't never seen a nigga so comfortable in a flow. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's this type of flow. He can jump from Chicago into some trap sounding shit, into some smooth sounding jazzy shit without a blink. And to watch him do it is phenomenal. Production that too, because I didn't, I never checked, but like I said, it's excellent. The production is all him and his boy, what Day Day Pivot. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it's all their team. And Saba ain't playing in Nashville, mother. Telling you, you got to check because that nigga just I'll be, I'll be here, but I won't be there. And again, just I'm also glad that this is not like it's 10 songs. Like it's a lot to process. Lot. <laughs> so I'm glad that it's just 10 songs. So you appreciate each song, whether it be, you know, 20 songs where you have to filter certain things out. You know, like it's 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 a perfect because one like the song I like Prom King is like over seven minutes long, and it needed to be because you know just the story about it, especially the last verse, pretty much being the last time he talked to his cousin. Like it needed to be that long, so um, it's you it's, know I'm I'm glad that it, it was just ten songs and not a whole bunch of extra filters. And was I mean his growth as far like people I got asked I got asked before. Do I think better albums come from tragedy? Yes. Because you're going through a lot of things and you got a lot of stuff you want to talk about. Creatively. General comes from tragedy. Yeah. And you got to creatively express yourself some way. These people do to get it out and this is the way they do it. And it ends up becoming things that touch you in the heart, hit you in the soul, make you think, you reflect on it, you connect to it. 
it's just a lot going on when you're listening to somebody else's story and their tragedy and you're reflecting on all of the things that you've been through as well. So listening to Saba's first album, you hear a great ass rapper. That doesn't take away this album doesn't take anything away from the first project, Bucket List Project. That shit is fire. The features are dope. Like he made Twista dope. And I ain't heard a dope Twista verse in a minute. But I'm listening to the song. I'm like, that sounds like Twista, but I'm not annoyed. And he's got good features on the first project. So you hear that and you're like, okay, I'll follow him. And then you hear care for me and you're like, God damn, this is, this is below the heavens quality shit. And I'm glad it's his second album because I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he's, I think he's still like getting his footing as far as popularity. But as far as an artist, like he's fucking arrived. Like this nigga has one of the best albums from last year, hands down. And I wish I'd have gave him more attention because it 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 might have knocked Nipsey out the top for me. I just didn't have enough time to sit and marinate in it. Actually, both of them, Her, it, him and Tierra. Yeah, I, I said I, that on Twitter too. Wish I heard these then, because my I, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump into these tracks, man, because we got ten to go through, and I'm sure all of us are gonna have a lot to say about certain songs because I'm sure everybody's got more than one favorite song on this project. So the first song is busy slash siren. So it's, it's two songs in one and Deidre, what, what did you think? So when it first came on, cause when I listened to the album, I was on the train and when I, when it first came on, like automatically the beat, was like, what is this? And I was the typical, like, not in your head, don't care whoever's looking at you. <laughs> it is, like, that alone was, like, the first thing um, that, that stuck out. But um, his flow on this, you know, um, the other was the mind, like, his his vocals, like, how the pitch of their vocals were on each like verse and even with the chorus, it, it's just like it's a dope opener. Like this is how you open up a, a, a album. Yeah. Um let's see, Twan. Man, I got nothing different to say, man. <laughs> okay. It um I think it set, it sets the move for what you're gonna hear in the album. Mm-hmm. You know, uh I think, you know, I think just like um Mike said earlier when he said, you know, you know, like kill my kill Walt with a knife. You know what I mean? When he kind of says that, and he is never, it's not like a big like the focus is there. It just he's saying stuff. He's saying something. It's almost like a random thought pops in his head, and it kind of sets you up for the album. Now, me, I kind of knew I had read an article before, so before even getting the album, I knew that it was talking a lot about some tragedy that happened, but I didn't know what it was. So then when I heard that, I was like, oh, that must be what it is. Let's keep listening. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, now the stuff is going to keep building. And I do like the little, um, the change at the end when it goes from, um, when it goes to Sirens. I like that little transition that he had in there. Because, I mean, same thing he kind of did later with Prom King. The same thing. And it's actually, there's a connection between that. So that he, I figured that was there was there, well, okay. So Prom King was actually originally supposed to be the last song in the album. 
and they it were felt, like, it felt like a, it felt like a closing song because they're for sure. Yeah, they were like, it's too sad. He said he didn't want to leave fans with that that like that depressed. So that's why you get uh the heaven joint. Yeah, the nice heaven. All it's gonna be me. all right. Yeah, it's just gonna be good. Yeah. Yep. So um, I mean, and I also like that he talked about just being having friends, but still feeling alone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he, I think he started, I'm so alone, but all my friends, you know, and I think a lot of people don't, you know, that when you talk about that depression, a lot of people don't do that. Cause they'd be like, Oh, you got people around you. You ain't lonely. It's like, yeah, I got yeah. people around me. I had people around me who love me and care for me. But if I feel lonely, it don't fucking matter. Cause that's how I feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Mike. Um, okay. So, like Twan was saying, like the the energy of the track. So the beat on this is like super lazy, especially for for busy. Oddly enough, um, but the rapping and singing are like frantic and scattered, uh, which I thought was kind of a cool like juxtaposition. Like he's not like right on top of the beat. Um, he's kind of like all over the place, and the beat's just kind of lazily floating along behind him, which it makes sense because it's kind of him just kind of on a stream of consciousness thing. Um, and then, uh, he had a line where he said, um, niggas asking how tour was knowing I've been home like two months and I said, yes, like two times, say the small talk, like two times. I know what that feels like. <laughs> and I appreciated somebody saying that out loud because that has happened to me multiple times. Um, and it's weird. Um, like if you've been gone and then like, especially like at home, like not at home, but like in my neighborhood where I live or whatever. Like I'll get home and people who know that I have been home were like, Hey, so you're home. Uh, you know, how long are you home for? Like, when'd you get back? And I'm like, you've seen me already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like people don't like, accept the fact that you are a person that sometimes is there and sometimes is not there, but, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I get it and Saba gets it and I appreciate that he got it and said it out loud. Uh so that was <laughs> that was really cool. Um I have any other notes on this one? I don't think so. I mean, maybe it just it started the album off really well though. I agree with that statement too. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So um like for me, the whole friends thing and like I I don't do what you do, Mike, but I understood exactly what he was saying, because just in yeah. general, like when I go back home down to like, uh, you know, that that 757 area of Virginia and like people like we we online all the time and shit, dog. Like there's a connection always exactly. if you're trying to find somebody. So for you to act like you ain't know what a person was out here doing in the world, but you involved in social media and shit, I just find it be complete bullshit. Oh, what's been going on with your life? Nigga, you follow me on Facebook. What are you talking about? Like the stuff like that. I'm not a small talk, small talk person in general. So when people start asking me questions, I'll be like, but I'll be seeing you post this shit and you follow me and I follow you. Like, I know you got a new kid. I know their name. I know they wait, nigga. Like, how are you acting like you don't know any information? But, and I also, I also looked at it as like circles get smaller as you get older, especially when you start finding fame. So that you come home and like, I, f- I felt like it was a double meaning there, though, too. Like, you come home and people are like ghosts. You see them walking around, but you don't really have a connection, as strong a connection to them as you used to. So yeah. you say friends, but friends in, like, quotations, right? 
because they you know they were friends at one time so in your mind they still friends but you don't really feel that way but i also felt like he was talking about walter because people be ghosts not only in death so you got your friends that's living they like ghosts but also your circle is legit smaller now because your boy died like your cousin right. did so that's why you feel alone also that 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 adds to it um, he said the line like Jesus got killed for our sins. Walter got killed for a coat. I'm trying to cope, but it's but it's a part of me gone. I'm like he clearly talking about Walter when he's also talking about his friends, right? It's it's not just niggas that see me on the block or we brought juice at the store at the same time and two days later you acting like you ain't seen me behind you. Um, right. He talks about his vulnerability and with girls and and the way that his communication with his girl currently, like him and her can't get on the same schedule. She going to work, she going to school, he at home. And then when she finally got time off, he back on tour. So that connection is, is caught is, you know, that, 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 that connection is being severed as well. And then the beat flips in the sirens. And what I love about sirens is the way he does the hook. That nigga sound depressed. Like when he does busy, there's a bit more energy to it. And like there's a stream of consciousness, like you said, but, you know, you, you feel him going somewhere with you on sirens. It's just sirens on the way. Hey, now you're lying with the angel. Like he don't sound like he is there at all. He's just, he just sad. And like, it he also talks about in in that verse because it's only one verse on sirens he talks about in that verse blind spotting which he addresses later on in the album where it's not just cops who do it and i was like like you you touched on so many themes in your opening track bruh this album better be fucking phenomenal because <laughs> i hope you ain't just like like bust your whole load on the intro <laughs> so everything just Gucci gang, right? And I also meant to say this in the opener. I feel like Saba is if you take the best parts of like McJenkins and Drake and put them together, and you get Saba because you get the tones. I hear songs up here that I know there's a song up here for sure that was like Drake inspired. I was like this. Yeah, this nigga was absolutely. Somewhere. This nigga was absolutely listening to Drake when he made this song, but it's such a better Drake song. What calligraphy? Uh, it's it's not. It might be calligraphy. You talking about the tone of him singing, or it's it's the it's the whole one. Broken girls could have been a Drake song, but he sounds like McJenkins on it, so that doesn't work. You know, uh, but you know, I'm gonna get the broken girls because it could, uh, but not with the way he not with the way he attacked I the subject. Said, like, yeah, we gonna talk about because I be like. That's yeah, might we'll talk about it now. Next yeah, we, we own it. <laughs> so, so like the next, girls, okay, so track like, two. Yeah, it's a difference. It's like, I know exactly what we're talking about because that's who I used to track. I used to track broken niggas. And it's always, <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad because, you know, it's usually, usually you track people a lot of times, you know, um, that especially you know are not good for you. And it's usually something within you <laughs> that is making you being attracted to them. So I could kind of like the the subject matter in particular could have been Drake like, but Drake couldn't break it down like how this. No, was. he like, did. No nigga would have did it this way. Releasing your Issa Rae insecure line. Most rappers don't do it this like, way. Whoo. When he he starts and this this is what so then so the second track y'all is Broken Girls if you haven't figured it out. Oh yeah. And <laughs> what I love about Broken Girls is 
the first bar in the in, in like after the hook, like after whole I'm in love with broken it, it, girls. It tells you exactly. Really, <laughs> right. I broke myself. And rappers don't do that. Niggas will start a song with I'm in love with broken girls and describe every broken part of the girl and every broken part of their relationship. This nigga immediately jumps to actually this song is not about broken girls. It's about me. I'm fucking broken. And I'm looking so, for other broke people that I feel like we can feed is. off each other's brokenness. That's that's why you attract you attract because you know it's the whole like a lot of times too it's like you want to help like you feel like you want to help these people because right. in a sense that you don't you feel like you're not you know a hundred percent or but you want somebody else to see that like well maybe if I show this person you know all the great qualities that I have and I'm helping them like in a sense like it's it's. It's like a win-win almost in a way, but it never works out like that. And I mean, it's it's all other different factors, but um, yeah, I'm glad that he. It was more about him understanding like why he's attracted to them, and you know his his insecurities and his problems that you know are making me be like these are the these are the type of women that I like. Yeah, Drake. And knowing Drake that is not good. Drake, Drake would have made it into some some type of anthem you'd be like nigga for real I'm just <laughs> shut your little sad ass up because that one girl didn't didn't take you on a date like you asked out and she said no <laughs> it would have been about everything like, they did to him wrong in the last 24 hours yeah. but like you know when he says it like like and i was going to, i mean brandon you said i was going to say it too but when he comes in and said really i'm broke myself and i think she might help like right there like it tells you now you're now it goes because even the 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 chorus, the way he sings the chorus, you kind of feel like this is going to be a typical song that rappers make about girls. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like this song we're going to be talking about all of these girls. We be talking about sex and stuff like that. And then from his first bar, you're like, oh no, no, that's not what we're doing. But I think that's how niggas think. Like when niggas have issues with relationships, and Deidre, I don't know if women think like this, but I think when niggas have issues with relationships, they so ready to blame everybody else. So in your mind, you like, man, I just like broke girls, girls, girls. I, I girls. don't even think I don't, I don't even think that's a gender thing. I think that's just people. Like, yeah, because a lot of people don't want to admit their wrongdoings. You know, like example, like if you are attracted. You're attracting and you not even just attracting, but you are, you know, um, engaging in the same type of people with the same type of, you know, vibes, the same type of people who have emotional that are emotionally unattached, you know, then there's something wrong with you. And then that is something that you need to start digging within yourself to realize to figure out, like, what's wrong? What is why? Why am I attracted to these people? What is it about me that? Is there parts of me that I don't like? Is there parts of me that I'm afraid of? Are these people a reason why I'm, you know, I want to be with them or I want to, quote unquote, save them? Is it, you know, because it, I don't have to talk about, you know, feelings in a sense, or I seem like I'm the hero because, you know, on the flip side, I don't feel, I don't love myself that much. I don't feel like I'm a hero, but for somebody else to say that, that, I'm helping them in a way that makes me feel good. Like it's all these little factors, but you know, it always comes to self and a lot of people don't want to dive into those issues. He, uh, he said in one line, he said, really, I know you're empty, but I think I could feel your glass. And I'm like, bruh. And now do you mean feel the way she feels? Do you mean feel her emptiness? Like, 
there's so many ways that that could be interpreted what you're saying right now with like both of y'all being vagina. Like it's just I mean <laughs> be, yeah that could be one too I'm, when I say when I'm thinking feel me like touch feel like I could feel the emotion that you're feeling so your glass being the emptiness that you feel like that's what would hold it so I'm thinking like that but yes it could also be some sexual shit I could feel your vagina it could be all together we, you could, know. we could sad fuck together <laughs> Yes, that, that, I you know, sex can be an emo- you know emotional attachment as well too. For some oh hell people, yeah! So yeah, um, we already say he sounds like Mick Jenkins on this, which uh, you know that's always going to be dope to me. And you know, we pointed out it just speaks to another theme of the project that's really strong. Saba speaking about this vulnerability, about his his sensitivities and his anxieties with just dealing with women in general. The whole conversation with his girl in the car. Which is on one of the tracks. It's like, and I, and I, when I listened to that song the first time, I was like, I do this, but not the way he does it. I do it a different way. So it's all these little things you connect on, and then he has this bridge at the end where the drums come in like real strong to lead the track out in the life. So I like I appreciate all of the production. They the amount of the amount of detail and care that they put into the project the production and the transitioning, and then the organizing of the tracks on this album because he's telling a story. It seems linear in a certain perspective. Mm -hmm. I start at the end. Let's jump back to the beginning, but the way he's telling it, it's emotionally driven in a linear fashion. That outro is amazing, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. So next to track number three is life. Your ass beat. Holy life is life was my favorite. Like I said, life was my first, favorite song that was mine too actually <laughs> like it just if you seen the there's a video for it i haven't seen the video there's so there's two videos for this project there's a video where it's three there's a video for busy a video for sirens and then there's a video for life mm-hmm. and like the opening verse to life is just this this nigga came in strong over a beat that was already Mama fucking dope. That nigga, <laughs> listen, the, the chorus <laughs> on this song is basically him going through all of the things that affected him as a child now and beyond that have turned him into the person that he is today. And you just sound, it just sounds like he's listing off shit, but he's not like this nigga said, I got angels running around me. I got demons hunting me. I know Pac was 25. I know Jesus 33. I tell death to keep a distance. I think he obsessed with me. I say, God, that's a woman. I know she would die for me. I'm like, nigga, wh- what? Bruh, like, it starts off that way. It starts off like, mm-hmm, let, me, let me listen. I need to listen. <laughs> and then, yeah, the beat is like, you know, I guess a little bit more upbeat, but the just the the subject man, it's so sad. Like yeah. you said, so he, he made he started off making the beat like like there's just to him. He had the drums and the bass. Dun, he dun, said dun, he had dun, it. He added like dun. the drums and the bass. And he had over bass line. Then the other producer came in and added like the chords and shit to it. <sighs> The drums so, and the bass would have been fire enough by itself. And when that fucking hook too. drops, though, I mean, my it's, god. It, it's a great song, like, and it talks about exactly what the title is. It talks about life, about him, you know, about when you're young, life seems long, and then you start seeing when people die, you realize life can be extremely short. And then he's going back and forth with all this stuff that can go with where, where 
I'm living past some of these people. I'm living, I've seen people die back and forth. And then, you know, the line, you know, what, what is life to a nigga that don't got nothing? Yep. You mm-hmm. know, like, so then, then, then somebody, then somebody can take my life because life to them doesn't mean anything because they've never had anything. Mm-hmm. So it's just this thing of like, it's like being that, that age and you really have to, and you really have to deal with death and you really start to think about it. And we, you know, we all try not to think about it. Cause we, anytime you just sit, sit around, you try to think about death. Like you, you just get sad and be like, well, fuck shit. <laughs> this is all you're thinking about. Cause this is the experience. You know I mean? Like, so like, and that's, so I, I love that he has all those different types of things of talking about and what here, life is. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Are you good? Uh, one couplet that really caught my attention was when he said, Congress got the nerve to call itself religious, rich, just getting richer. We trying to live our life. Um, I appreciated that as well. Mm-hmm. And the way, look, the way that he jumped in with with the chorus, <laughs> Bruh, that nigga came in. Mama mixed the vodka with the sprite. They killed my cousin with a pocket knife while my uncle on the phone. He was going for more to have my life. He got out a year and then he died. I was on a roll talking to my father on the phone. Left the city, went on with his phone. I was like, nigga. And that's when the beat flips. That's when you hear that, uh, like it's like a fucking weave through the chorus. And I'm like, bruh. How can you just start killing? Like you go from the doom, 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 doom. That's all it is. And then the beat comes in. It's like a, it, it gradually like increases, and the energy increases with it. Then he does the whole bridge shit. Where in the bridge he says, "Light don't mean lit in the dark. Fight don't mean fist." The like he that's another theme that the whole like fight the struggle. Um, on this one, he talks about survivor's remorse where he says, I seen Walter body cold, wish I could switch it with mine. This nigga is going through so many damn things on this project. And at the same time, it's able to produce something that sounds like this. Uh, and you look when, when the chorus come in, you be bopping when it's, when the chorus come in, because the chorus slaps. And then, and then, and then, and then you hear what he talk about. You're like, man, I can't buy. Oh damn! <laughs> like I'm in the unit. Like, oh snap! Uh, oh, the kid's cousin, his uncle died. Uh, shit! When uh, he said uh, Mama mixed the vodka <laughs> with the sprite, I was like, wait, hold on, hold on, what? So she's struggling with alcoholism. <laughs> oh man, that's how she deal with life. Uh, Drinking, right. nigga. <laughs> and then yeah, the next line, they killed my cousin with a pocket knife. I'm like, well, um, mm, I'm not complaining about Mondays anymore. That's for sure. Uh, life is pretty grand yeah. right now compared to what this nigga has experienced. And you get information about his family too. Again, you get information about him through the relevance of his family. That is important to me when I'm listening to a project like this that is claiming to do a whole lot of reveal and create this imagery for me. Like mm-hmm. this emotional imagery. So and this is after Broken Girls. Like, what the fuck? Okay, like, we're gonna continue, huh? The uh, <laughs> now I think it was I think it was genius because the next track is Calligraphy, and I think you needed this jazzy cool down after Life. And it's sing it's very sing songy, right? So where Life had all this this dark this dark energy to it. This he he sounds angry on Life. He sounds real fucking angry, and you need to understand his anger. Calligraphy is what he does to get the anger out. So the whole yeah. album is calligraphy. Like calligraphy is, 
it, it basically calligraphy like encompasses encompasses all the things of this project. Like why this project even exists is because of calligraphy. Yeah, this is the first song I heard, you know, from this project. And like I told, like I said, it was kind of on a random after I don't know what I was playing, and they kind of um, was playing this um, afterwards of some of the As Light songs and. Um, I was like, oh, this is really, really jazzy, but this is really, really good. And this is what made me want to be like, well, who is this? Um, and I think I talked to you, Brandon, about it. Or you made mention of him, and it kind of went that way. But um, Yeah, I've been trying to, I think I had mentioned when we did our reviews on, like, people who have been listening to, and I kept, like, suggesting, hey, go listen to this Sabra project. This shit is intense mm-hmm. it's a lot going on here yeah it's and i love it because you know for some people you know they have their outlet and you know for him him is, is is writing and especially with just like what you said life and all the stuff that's going on with him um you know this is his outlet to express himself and clearly this is what he did to you know make this project so i like i like how you know, with writing, you know, or like painting or any form of art, it can kind of you can get kind of carried away, and that's how the beat kind of sounds as well. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 a dope song. It goes along with the hook where he's like, "Write him away, write him away." Mm-hmm. I just got tired of running away, and he he says it in a couple of lines. He says it in one line: "We cannot bury all of the fucked up shit that we've been through, because you know that shit will eat you from the inside out." And I, even the, even the chorus, everyone leaving, I write them away, write them away. I feel like that had a double meaning to it, right? Like you could say, I write them away, like I'm telling their story, I'm telling my story, but also I write them away. I do write by them, by yeah. like helping their memories live on and talk about them. So it helps me deal with this depression. It helps me deal with this survivor's remorse. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's like that shit is really strong. It, and it's really important to hear an artist express that. So um, I'm trying to think of the right word. So eloquently. Yeah, it really is. It's it's a really good song. Now the way it ends sucks because it ends. I can't get out of bed. Can't get out of my bed. Yeah. Which again linearly flows right into another side of grief, which is the song, which is track five, which is fighter. And fighter is about all the different types of fighting, uh, physical, emotion. The, it it just encompasses all these. It, he uses stories to describe all the different ways that he's fighting. So and it's tiring. Like it is. I think that with the end of it, he says we're like we're all broke. Like it's to have, and I mean, you know, just in everyday life, if you have different fights. Whether it be a physical fight, a verbal fight, just an emotional fight with yourself, you know, um, you, you it's tiring. <laughs> like, it's very tiring. And I feel for him, especially with this song, because it's a lot, you know what I mean? Now it he, is a whole lot. He sounds like he's struggling with suicidal thoughts yeah. at, this, at this point in the album. So the story he tells in the beginning is he punched a nigga in the face, uh, fucking with the nigga and his sister. And then later on, he got punched by another nigga and got dropped. So he was talking about how the circle of getting your ass whooped stays strong. Mm-hmm. And then later on, the first dude that he punched 
tried to jump him with two other guys and the dude that actually knocked him out jumps in the fight on his side to help him fight off the three guys. So it, it, it also talks about this relation, the way that relationships and bonds work, which again, the more we talk about this, the more things I'm finding. That's another theme on the project because that's how him and Walter developed their relationship on the whole prom King joint. The way he opens that is, I don't know if I really should be trusting Walter. This is a nigga who used to steal my shoes. And (laughs) with this one, it's like, damn, that's the nigga that just knocked me out and had me feeling like, you know, feeling like, wait till I get my hands on you. And now this nigga is fighting beside me because he don't feel this a fair fight the same way I don't. But I'm also a fighter. I'm not backing down from this fight because he talks about how I could have ran. But nah, I stay and I fight these niggas. I know I'm probably going to lose, but I got to fight these niggas because I'm a fighter, which links back up later because now he's fighting through these emotions. He's fighting to get out of the bed. He's fighting to do music. And he was fighting with the girlfriend on yep, the phone, fighting with his girl, all this fighting. But he also is suffering from this side of survivor's remorse where he feels guilt. He says he says still feeling the guilt that Walt never thought to call. His boy was fighting on it. His cousin was fighting on that train and didn't call him till he felt like he was in trouble. And it was like, I wish he would have called me sooner. I could have got there sooner. Maybe he'd still be alive. Like, I wish that nigga didn't feel he needed to be so fucking strong. And it's hard as a black man. It's absolutely hard. Always feeling as a black person, period. Let me stop doing that. As a black person, period. Every day you got to go out here and be a bit stronger than everybody else in this country. So, and that shit gets tiresome. Sometimes, man, you just not, you don't want to have to have that worry. You don't yeah. want to have to have that fight. You don't want to have to worry about if you're going to have to fight. You don't want to have to be ready all the time to fucking fight. That shit is tiresome. It makes life hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Like someday you just want to wake up and just, you know, you just want to go to work, have a good day you know, do whatever and take and go home and not have to fight other people, don't have to, you know what I'm saying, deal with just all the bullshit black people got to go through just on a day-to-day basis, every day, even when you're minding your own business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's it's tiring to deal with that all the time. He said, um, he said in one track, and I connected with this, I'm like this all the time. It's hard for me not to show it when I'm like this either. He said, it's hard to love myself when all these people compliment me. Somehow it just remind me what I don't got. And I feel like that yeah. all the fucking time, dog. I hate when people be like, oh, man, you got this. Look, you're doing good for yourself and you doing this and you do that because that's not how I be feeling. Like, I be feeling chill most of the time. But when I'm actually thinking about, like, what I have, it's more what I need. It's yeah. never what I have. Like, I got a nice TV. I got a nice house. I got a wife. Like it's it's never that those things I have and I appreciate those things enough, right? So I don't really need it, it. It just feels weird for people to remind me of all the nice shit I have because I'm constantly reminding myself of all of the shit I need to get, the shit I need to do. That's what mm-hmm. plagues me. That that it it isn't like I said. I'm not like grateful, but it makes me feel a particular. It makes me feel annoyed when people do that. I don't need to compliment. Sometimes I might need to help, but I don't really need a compliment. You know, mm-hmm. that I also feel like you don't understand me as a person when you complimenting me just to compliment me. That don't that that ain't really my personality. Like it it just it just feels awkward, man. It feels weird. You know, that makes sense. And I mean, you know, some people do compliments. It's a backhanded compliment mm-hmm. in a way, and it's not just like I said, it's not genuine. So I would just prefer you not to say anything at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
I'm I'm cool with not being like complimented. But then you know you also have people that like they have to be they have to have praise all the time. They have to be seen all the time. And you know that is always nine times ten somebody that's insecure and like they feel like they need validation from other people consistently and I'm definitely not one of those people at all like you know it makes me uncomfortable because it's like okay now y'all being too much in my business and I don't care about y'all I don't think anyway I don't think people get to where like like any of us I don't think people get to where any of us have gotten in our lives I don't think people get I don't think people get where Saba and other artists have gotten in their careers by feeling content right? right like feeling all blessed all the time. Cause if you feel mm-hmm. content, then you're not going to really feel a need to make a move or do anything. You're going to, you know, you're going to chill in your contentment and you'll be good. But for people who are achieving things and, you know, growing and progressing as a person, nah, bro, we don't really feel content. We always feel like we moving. That's mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's what, that's the energy. That's the drive. I don't have any of this stuff by luck. I didn't, you know, it wasn't bingo that got me here, dog. It was the constant stressing and worrying that developed me as a person and drove me to not sit back and watch life pass me by. I'm in a race with life to keep up. That's, you know, so when you like what you got to worry about, nigga, every reason I'm here where I am right now is because I worried about something that got me here. Mm-hmm. It, Absolutely. You know. And then on top of that, he dealing with a death. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, the next track is number six, and it is Smile. And I'll, you know, I love this song. You need these these light moments on this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Smile. It's it's good. I even like the chorus. You know, even though it's just smile, like, but it's just repetitive. But it's 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 a good song. Mm-hmm. I love this his- is what he's talking about his um about him and his grandmother, mm-hmm. and um you know it's just good memories, which is good to hear for him. Like you know you you like hearing like the good stuff from him, especially since you know he's consistently and still dealing with this death. To hear something you know that makes him feel better it's it's always good it's like returning home is what the song mm-hmm. felt like to me because he constantly talks about you know my family's from the south and he move everybody back to texas if he when he can um it it just it sounds like he's finding comfort in his family which is a running theme amongst a lot of artists like room 25 had that on it no name was finding comfort back with her family and that's where he's finding it now especially with dealing with a loss but it was one line that I liked. He said, um, niggas talk that niggas talk that they gonna keep it a hundred, but I'd rather keep it a mill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he just it's there's there's that sentiment that he's finding comfort and he's trying to become the Saba that he was before he had to deal with some of the tragedy in his life. So that's where you get the uh the whole practice throughout the song mm-hmm. part. He's trying to practice smiling because he's been so depressed it's like he forgot how when you don't have the reason you you know you just forget you forget why you smiling and you forget how to smile so he's constantly practicing he's trying to fall back into that and he's just trying to find his center 
And going home does that because I, you know, I go home probably like twice a year and it it, it does make a difference because Atlanta is, it's rough. You know, I will, any major city, you know, it's just the, you know, the wear and tear on you and, you know, just the being alert of people all the time and, you know, to go home a lot of times where, you know, like you don't have, to, you can relax, like your body full, like you can fully relax because you're home, you're home with your family, your family's going to take care of you. They're going to love on you. You don't have to feel like you're doing for others all the time. Like for once, you know, it's a mutual thing. Like, you know, it is, it is therapeutic. So I can, you know, I definitely see him why, you know, and you get a lot of people from the North that say that too, they come to the South and it's just a different experience because they're always on guard. You know, people saying good morning. It's like, I don't know how I feel about that because y'all might be trying to rob me, you know. And then they get down to the South where it's like, no, we're literally just saying good morning. Like, we're opening the door because we're nice. There's no ill intentions behind that. And then they stay because it's just an easier mm-hmm. life. <laughs> right. I like the the pre-chorus for this, too. He does is like a, I don't know, it's like, like it's not really two-time. That's when you speed shit up, but it's. Uh, one word, like one half of the bar is on one beat and the other half of the bar is on the other beat. So he says like, sweet west side apartment, two sweet west side Chicago, two flat apartment, red brick and garden. That's been forgotten. Oh, motif. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a whole video on uh, YouTube talking about doing that type of stuff. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's dope. And it changes up the rhythm of the song. Yeah, it's really cool. That's the cool thing about Saba. Like, he has a lot of versatility in his flow. Like, it's not just the same thing every single song. Like, he will change stuff up, change rhythms up, changes patterns up, like, <clears throat> and just keeps your ear fresh the whole way through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, track number seven is Log Out. And a bunch of us needed to do this. We probably should have did it last week. Probably should. We're probably going to end up doing it tomorrow. But I'm on vacation right now. I'm in the mountains in Tennessee and I will for sure not be online at all tomorrow. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest it. Most sadly, most people won't hear this until a couple of days from now. So they already have gotten online and been oversaturated right. with fuckery. But uh, yeah, back to uh log out though. <laughs> See, he says uh, in log out, everybody insecure, especially people with everything. Why else you think they got everything? How else you think they got everything? I I swear to God, I literally just explained this feeling on fucking fighter. <laughs> it's, I didn't even realize it. Like that's <laughs> why you think we got everything, nigga. Like there's an insecurity and there's a, a vulnerability and there's a worry and yeah. But from this perspective, he and Chance is featured on this track. Chance's whole verse is pretty much about no. the emptiness filled with the insecurities yes. of fame and stardom. That's exactly like you can verse. It is a beautiful breakdown, yeah. you know, of the juxtapositions of being famous and being <laughs> being famous and being unfulfilled from it. So I yeah. thought that was interesting. Also like I don't the, know why his his verse kind of remind me of what was that petty one he was he did with um, um no uh baby blue actually yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking that too DJ <laughs> absolutely he always does a good job of just blending shit he said everything's on camera everything's on camera 
Everybody want handouts. Everybody got pamphlets. Everybody wants Santa. Everything's on camera. Everybody want pics now. Everybody got antlers. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything's on camera four times in that verse. That nigga which I said think relevant. That nigga said everybody my kid now. Everybody got pampers. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> so it, it yeah. Um and Saba's flow on this is very Chicago and like new Chicago, at least. And that whole thing that all these rappers from Chicago are doing is just out of control, man. That might be the best new city for rappers currently, or best city for new rappers, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I totally agree. Track eight is gray. Um, Man, he got, psh, my God. This is my favorite beat and my favorite song on the album. Yeah, that's, I'm still sitting on it as my favorite. It's hard to get away from Gray because that that middle line in, in the industry, that middle line in the industry, bruh, of being a creative who wants to make great fucking music, but the industry is constantly pulling you in the direction of make hot music. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that he spoke on it and I'm glad he spoke on it the way he did. Like, he said in one line, ain't for the fame, but the fortune cool, altering the altitude, offering that thought for food, altering that art that moved, carefully editing every word, everything gotta be charity. Give it, give it my all, these melodies therapy. And then the hook itself. Like I've seen the hook all the time when I'm at work just chilling. He also said, uh sometimes I think about the pressures of an artist and what it takes to be called a success, even with no college. You barely considered, don't label me with them niggas, infatuation with plastic. I wanted it to be realer. First, they wanted the hip hop, then they wanted gorilla, and then they wanted a drug dealer, and now they wanted a dancer, and now they want a drug addict, infatuation with plastic. White girl wanna be sister, driver wanna be walker, and walker wanna be sitter. Like that whole verse describing the evolution of commercial rap is just incredible. He He actually wraps that around too. Like, the song goes in full circle from explaining the motivations for signing. It goes in full circle from explaining the motivations of becoming a star with the whole, po- the whole, uh, sit a wannabe walker, walker wannabe driver, or, um, hold on. It explains full circle him not wanting to have to deal with the pressures of the industry. So that's when you get the whole part of walker wannabe sitter, et cetera, et cetera. But then later on, he explains the complexities of why people sign record deals, which actually says the end of the first verses bar from the other perspective, which is a uh, consider want to be Walker and Walker want to be driving. So you got people that's in the, in the seat in the game and they wish that things would slow down because they don't like the pressure that they're getting. And it's hard to create when you have that pressure, but you got these people on the other side of the glass that want to break through and they're putting all this energy into getting into the game. So they don't want to be sitters. They don't want to take time to chill. They want to be walkers. They want to be behind the wheel. Like, they're ready to move. And the way and that he was able to wrap it around. Vibes too. So what? This beat gives me some serious Dilla vibes. I can hear mm-hmm. that. I definitely get that. He said, definitely um, get that. He said, don't nobody want to be great. Everybody want to be seen. Ain't nobody want to be quiet. Oh, and nobody wants to be quiet. Nigga. Yes. Niggas all day online don't have shit to say, but always be fucking talking. <laughs> so this, yeah, great. Great, great, man. That that just hooked. 
the best songs probably on the B side. Won't be surprised mm-hmm. if the label denied this a great like that fucking the best song shit, bro. That used to be that used to be how I listened to music back in the day all the time. I'd be like, yeah, this album is cool, but nigga, his best songs is on the mixtape. His best songs is on the demo, dog. Like when he had energy, when you used to worry about that too. We used to get mixtapes from niggas back in the day and be like, man, I don't know what that album gonna sound like though. You know, once they get with them big wig labels, bro, they be telling them don't do this and don't do that. They be trying to change niggas. Right. So you be worried for that first album come out. I love this. I love the way the industry is right now for a lot of these new artists because it's just them behind their music. There is no industry really like it's collapsing, which seems like a bad thing, but it's a good thing in some ways. So, you know, you'll get an artist and you get to actually watch them grow as a person on their own accord. Yes, they might listen to talk out in the streets, but it's not nobody telling them, hey, you can't use that song. You can't use that song. We're going to shelf you if you put this song on the album. Right. This has to be your single. Shit like mm-hmm. that. You have to work with this producer. Yeah, exactly. You got to get a feature from insert name here. Right. Buster needs to be on an interlude. Missy. Stuff like that. So. I'm you not need a Drake Light song to be your first single. Mm-hmm. Right. So niggas are forced to make a Drake song. Whereas here, Saba does Drake stuff because he just was feeling that shit and it sounds great. Don't let Drake hear it. You're going to get mad. So the next track is track number nine is Prom Slash King. And this it's is two my stories. Well, like I said, it, it changes, but the more I listen to it, this is this has been you know mine. Um, just a lot because of the vividness between prom, which is you know of course him talking about um, you know when he did go to the prom, and I did laugh because um, the dates brother and was like you know um, <laughs> saying all that shit. Like, you know, don't be doing none of this stuff to my sister or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you hit her, I'm going to kill you, all that stuff. But just, like, the vividness, like, I could see everything that was happening as he rapped about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go from there to flip to um, King, and, you know, basically it's just a breakdown of um, everything that happened, including towards the end where he was talking about um, he talked to Walt and um, they were supposed to go to, I think they were supposed to perform at No Name with No Name like the that next night. day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his mom, Walt's mom called looking for him. And that's how it ended. And for you to know, like, that's the last conversation until you, till they found out that he got killed. Like, that was just heartbreaking. <laughs> I was like, this is so, it's sad, but again, like, I, I I pictured everything that happened, like, in my head as he's rapping it. It's just so detailed, you know, down to what they ate for dinner. Like, it's, it's, it's just dope. It's just a, it's a, it's a juxtaposition of, so it's basically if you took a movie and took the middle out, you showed, you showed the beginning and then you show the very end. He mm-hmm. tells the story about when he, when like the story feels like the first time he and Walter like truly became friends and truly saw each other. They had been cousins, but they had, you know, Walter had never really been to his house. What he remembered about Walter was this was a nigga that used to take it, beat him up and take his sneakers every time they went to visit. And, and his house this, was down the street and neither of them knew it. Right. And this, this mm-hmm. nigga, 
you know, is trying to hook him up with a prom date because the story starts off with him writing a letter to a girl. So here's his insecurities and his vulnerabilities with women and the fact that he feels like he's going to be a virgin forever. Walter was a person who broke that cycle for him. And it started here. He even here. said, I'm skeptical to even let him know I am Walter. <laughs> right. right. So, <laughs> so, you know, it talks about the prom date and he had a good prom date, but the part about the, you know, the girl's brother rolling up on him when he was waiting for Walter to show Walt to show up outside this venue and put a knife to his neck. It was, you know, if you hit her, you know, I'm gonna kill you. If you make a cry, I'm gonna kill you. If you fuck her, I'm gonna kill you. He was like in that moment, he's contemplating, do I tell Walt that this nigga just did this to me because, you know, he gonna wanna run up and he gonna wanna fight the nigga and I might ruin a good night and this has been a good day and this is a good memory. And I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't ruin it over that. We had a good night, et cetera, et cetera. And then he just, he jumps to, you know, he jumps like, it's like three years, however many years later, we done took off, nigga. You know, we, we're, the the music is moving. I just got back from doing an interview with Sway. Me, you know, Walt called me and said some niggas was trying to kill him. Um, It was mistaken. Like that's the, that was the other blind spotting part. So blind spotting part. So that was the blind spotting from the niggas that tried to kill Walt because he was like, I'm giving this nigga sympathy because he did what cops do when he was questioning them. Nigga, what did you do, though? And Walt's like, I didn't do shit, bro. I promise you. Nah, nigga, you did something. Niggas don't just be shooting at you like that, bro. What happened? And you always do some shit. So what did you do? And, you, you know, Walt walking through the whole shit, he was like, okay, I got to give this nigga sympathy because he really didn't do nothing. And I'm actually blind spotting him right now. Right, trying to trying to looking looking at him the way that I always look at him because I can't see the other side that maybe this nigga really didn't do nothing. And it's, these niggas just mistakenly tried to kill him. They did Lollapalooza. Walter was working on his album. They was finished with, uh, you know, Care. He was back home. Like you said, they was going to do this show with no name. And he went into the studio to record. Walt was on the train. He got that call from Walt's mom. They hopped in the car. They went to look for him. And they found him. You know, he did. Like, that was, that was the last conversation. And it... You you hear that man, and the first song again, prom sounds so happy, and King is just so fucking sad. It's so dire, man. Like it's so sad. Like it is. It's heartbreaking. And the crazy part is, like when he's rapping in prom, you can hear him like smiling while he's rapping that story, and then you hear his voice tone just subtly change as he moves into the second story. Bro, the, the conversation that he has with Walt, like when Walter comes, so Walter hooks him up with a date, and then later on, Walter texts him, like, bro, I ain't trying to bug you, but I'm $30 short on my prom fees. And he's like, bro, you he's like, cuz you hooked me up with this date when I ain't had nobody. I was feeling down over this girl, not responding to my message. I'm thinking I'm never gonna have sex. Like, you just helped the nigga out big time. I ain't got no problem giving you 30 bucks. And, you know, Walter right. comes to collect the money, but Walter don't really know him like that either. So they're building that bond, right? Like he mm-hmm. sees Walter smile walking away, but he know Walt ain't want him to see him smiling when he was walking away. Mm-hmm. And that's simple. <laughs> yeah, that understanding is right. there. Then, you know, and they, they joke about hooping. Nigga, you, you probably weak though. And then he talks about the memory of them running some niggas off the court, which is what Walt was doing when he called him and said niggas just tried to kill him. He was going through his day. Like, what'd you do? We was playing hoops at one point, bro. I tell you, I promise I ain't fuck with nobody. Niggas just shot up my car, and then you tell the cops, and they think I did some shit. You saying it's just another case of mistaken identity, man? It, it, it this song is is difficult because it's a lot of subject matters it touches on as far as being a young black man. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, "Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst." 
Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's a good. Also, did y'all notice in the mix in prom when he's about to meet the girl for prom, he hops out the car and he says, my heart's racing. You can hear his heartbeat in the background of the beat. No, I didn't even hear that. Like, if you go to that, like, listen to the in prom when he gets to the part where he's about to give the girl the uh, corsage or croissant. Croissant, right. (laughs) He says she hopped out the car and said that her name was Jade and my heart is racing. If you, when he says my heart is racing, they put a heartbeat sound in the background, like real low in the mix, but you can hear it and it's really cool. Oh, that's dope. I'm about to re listen. I didn't hear that. Also, um, those are Walter's vocals. I just at realized the end that of out, at the, at the end. outro of King. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yep. And that's, that makes it even more sad. And the yes. album was supposed to end here. Like, I'm so glad he did Heaven and All Around And you can kind of see with that outro. Oh, it's definitely an outro. In like, yeah, to, to end everything. I, I need Heaven All Around Me, though. Heaven All Around Me is kind of like what would be a, a hidden track on a CD. You it's know like, what I'm it's, saying? It's the epilogue. But I needed it, like yeah, an epilogue, yeah. It, you know, I like the I like the Brandon, beat. Sure. I was like, but man, that's a rough way to end the record because I for sure knew yeah. that King was the end. Right. And then the track started up, and I was like, oh, thank goodness. But it is good, you know, because it does. It is a it could, it's a good continuation too because it's kind of like you know Walt clearly you know Walt you know died and this is you know especially since this is the song is talking about. Um, you know, going some going to heaven. This is him going to heaven. So it was a good next song if you would have one. Mm-hmm. But just like what you said, it would be a good like you know um, hidden track if it wasn't an actual you know song on the playlist. I can't remember. But you do need it. Did I? I explained how Walt died at the beginning of this review, right? Not to y'all off the review. I. Th- Think you said? Think you talked about it? Not I, well. I didn't hear because I was off mic for a bit. Okay, so what happened was, so um, let's see. John Walt and his accused killer got into a fight on the CTA train shortly before Walt was stabbed Wednesday afternoon. Prosecutors say the fight began about three twenty p.m. Wednesday when Walt and twenty-three-year-old Kevin Alexander wound up in the same car on the westbound Green Light L train. Assistant State's Attorney Jamie Santini said during a bond hearing Friday. Walt, whose real name is Walter Long, had had, a con- had had a previous altercation with Alexander's cousin and the cousin's friend. Alexander approached Walt, and the men soon began throwing punches and wrestling on the Green Line train. The entire fight was caught on CTA surveillance footage as the train reached the Clinton stop. Walt got off and began to walk away from the station. Alexander, meanwhile, took a knife from a witness with whom he'd been traveling and asked the witness to hold his belongings. Alexander followed Walt and stabbed him twice in his chest. On the 200 block of North Clinton Street, Alexander is then accused of chasing a bleeding and mortally wounded Walt for a short while. Police have been called to the scene of a battery in progress at the Clinton CTA station and officers found Walt's body near the 400 block of North Clinton Street. So he got stabbed on the 200 block and he made it to the 400 block. I'm assuming that's two blocks. Yeah, I'm assuming too. Sad. Uh, I don't, yeah, pronounced dead at the scene. So, and you figure at this, maybe at this time, like you can't, you can't even, I can't even say this, this happened at three. We don't know when his mom called Saba to go look, ask, have you seen him? 
Right. So he, he just around. said like 10 minutes into his session, his that's when the um Walt's mom called. But yeah, you don't know when they went to to the um studio. Mm-hmm. So Walt no. could have already been dead and he driving around looking for him, thinking, yo, we're gonna find you, bro. And he already gone. Yeah. Alone. Mm-hmm. Jesus. It's it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. So make sure you do listen to Heaven All Around Me. It's upbeat. It's sang songy. Um, I love the production. I love the way he raps on it. It doesn't take away from the album at all. Honestly, it it adds. There, there. After a while, man, like, you need certain stuff to end away, because it could put you in such a depressed state, and it might make it hard for you to listen to the project later again. This is a heavy album. Yeah. So I needed I needed that heaven all around me song. I needed the album to go out on that because it's easy for me to go right back into busy and sirens from there. But to go back into busy, like to hear, to hear, uh, uh, you know, Walt's last words and then go right into busy where he's saying Walt got killed for a coat. I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too much. And, you know, I'm sure Saba probably needed this song too for him because, you know, again, this is reliving you know, one of his most, you know, terrifying moments. And I think, you know, heaven, heaven all around me, it's probably, this is probably therapeutic for him to just knowing that, you know, Walt is in heaven, you know, he's not in any pain. Um, so it, it's probably something that he needed as well. And it's cool that it's like Walt's song. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. definitely from Walt's perspective. So it's nice that he kind of gets an outro of his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So uh I don't we don't rate albums. We basically review them and if we're talking shit about them, then you know better. And if we're talking like this about them, you know what to do. So go check out go Saba's times in a row. Care for Me project and let us know what you think, man. Drop us a voicemail at 443-832-3494 or drop us an email podcast at where's my 40 acres.com let us know what you thought of when you heard the album let us know what things we missed when we were talking about the project and we'll get back to y'all next time with the next album review till then we out of here where's my 40 acres.com oh and shout out to everybody who is a premium member we had new premium members the only place you can sign up for premium now is on the site you cannot sign up on patreon anymore so that is done with. Make sure you go to the site. Remember that the first month for premium is five bucks and you'll get at least like 20 downloads for the first month. So you can get, fill us out. But when you see that we're constantly doing the style jinxes, when you see that we're going to be reviewing um, shit like Umbrella Academy and talking about glass to follow up on our split and unbreakable review that we did last year after we found out M. Light Shyamalan was creating his own hero universe. When you hear that we're doing podcasts like that, you're probably not going to want to ha- not have premium. So go ahead and just sign up. And the only way you're going to get to hear those nostalgic reviews for Missy So Addictive and Three Six Mafia is when the smoke clears is if you're on premium. So go ahead and do that. Head on over to where's my 40 com, do the premium sign up and, you know, come get this work. Till then, we out. Peace. <laughs>